The men have three chances for medals, and we were just asking for one. Amazing recovery on one ski. And this young lady again will take the podium. From NBC Sports and Vox Media, this is The Podium. So let's get into the head of Sean White. The shipment of the United States. Lindsey Vaughn, this is her chance now. Welcome to day two of the 2018 Olympic Winter Games. I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. The U.S. won its first gold medal today in men's slope style, an event that produced the first rookie star of the 2018 Games. I was just psyched and I, that I knew I was on the podium. I didn't care if it was third, second, first. I was just so happy to land a run and do all that. That's 17-year-old Red Girard, the proud owner of the U.S.'s first gold medal in Pyeongchang. Reporter Tim Struby watched Red win the gold live, and he joins us now on the podium. Tim, you've been to one Olympic event, one in your life, and you watched an American win gold. You're one for one. You picked a good one. 20 years of sports writing, That's and it. I choose this as my first Olympic event. Yes, it was special for me, and it was special for Team USA. Indeed, I would say it is. Tell us about this guy. We know he was the underdog. What else? Redmond Red Gerard, uh, 17 years old. Born in Cleveland, lives in Silverthorne, Colorado. Um, he's one of seven children, and he was the lone American in the 12-person final today. You didn't just watch the event alone. Oh, no, Tim. You made friends with his family. Tell us about that. I sure A did. A big crew, huh? 18 redheads here <laughs> together celebrating. The big reds, as I like to call oh, them Oh, excuse me. Very formal. Um, red's family was there, 18 people strong. And, I mean, it was some group, and they all had sort of big cutouts of Red's face on sticks, and they were waving them, and they had signs. And I just spent the second half of the entire event with his mom, Jen. Red's mom. And Aunt Ethel. Freezing cold outside, everybody's warm and friendly on the inside. And watched them as they watched their son and nephew take home the gold. I mean, it was pretty extraordinary. Fingers crossed, and let's see how it turns out. Yeah. We'll, we'll hear you screaming afterward. All righty. Tim, I'm listening to his family, and I keep thinking that's a whole lot of plane tickets to South <laughs> yeah. Korea, yeah. but they're supporting their guy. So he came into his final run in last place. What happened? His first two runs weren't clean, but on his third run, he put it all out there. He killed the top part of the mountain. He nailed all three jumps on the bottom, and when he arrived in front of the big red crew, he was standing in first place. His score held up. His so score, well, we had still had three riders to go was the problem. So it wasn't all sealed and signed and delivered yet. But once the last rider score came up, red had won the gold. So he made mistakes in his first two runs, made up for it in dramatic fashion. Congratulations to Red and the whole Gerard family. I understand you also ran into another Slope Style fan this morning. You were busy. I did indeed. Um, I made my way to the roof above the grandstand, and I ran into our own Lester Holt from the Nightly News. And I was talking to him about taking in his first snowboarding Slope Style event. And we were talking about his love for the Winter Olympics and another event that he was looking forward to in the near future, ski jumping. At some point in your life, you had to do that for the first time. You had to say, oh, I can do this. So I'm gonna go down this like little, huge hill and, on these sticks and I'm gonna land upright or not. <laughs> he makes a good point. Hopefully you land. 
or not. We're also looking forward to ski jumping. The men's events started earlier this week, and the women get their turn tomorrow. This is just the second time in Olympic history that women can compete in ski jumping. The first was in 2014. Getting the women's event into the Olympics took a whole lot of work, and not just physical training. Katie Couric has that story. Men have competed in Olympic ski jumping since the international competition began way back in 1924. And the International Ski Federation started sponsoring additional competitions for them the following year. Women had to wait for nearly 80 years until 2003. That's when the International Ski Federation finally sponsored their first women's ski jumping competition. The worldwide spotlight raised the profile of their sport and women hoped that would give them a shot to compete at the 2010 Winter Games in Vancouver. All the girls got together and we were at my house. That's Jessica Jerome. In 2006, she was 19 years old. She'd been competing in ski jumping for years, but not at the Olympic Games. We called into this conference call and it was at night because it was in the morning in Europe. And they said that it was not gonna be considered. And we, we were pissed. Jerome grew up in Park City, Utah. When a ski jumping club came to her elementary school, she begged her parents to let her sign up. Initially, my dad was not having it. He remembered the agony of defeat in the wide world of sports. For you youngins out there, that was a sports broadcast that aired regularly on ABC. It's this awful clip of a guy crashing on a ski jump and so he said there's no way I'm letting my daughter do that and my mom was like hold up this is this is a great opportunity to get them involved in the local community and it's cheaper than babysitting so let's do it. Her mom won out and Jerome fell in love with the sport. She got really close to her teammates. From the beginning her club included boys and girls all training together. We were on the hill together. We were in the gym together. We were doing field exercises and plyometrics together. We had the same coaches. We, we all did everything together. But that changed when Jerome started competing. Her male counterparts just had more opportunities. There were all these levels of international competition for men. So the way the competitions work in ski jumping is the highest level is obviously the Olympics, but... There is a World Cup circuit that goes on every year. And then there were a bunch of competitions for less experienced male jumpers. But for women, there was just one international competition. It was just the only opportunity we had to compete against women from other countries. But to get to that one competition, Jerome and her teammates had to overcome another obstacle, funding. The boys got to focus on training, but the girls were scrambling to fundraise and ask for donations. Everything was coming out of pocket from either ourselves or our parents or donations. To try to cut costs, my father is an airline pilot, so I had flight benefits. He did, my, my mom did, and then we would give my teammates buddy passes and we would fly standby to competitions in Europe, which is not ideal because there, there was an instance where we were stuck in the Munich airport for five days because we couldn't get home. But it was the cheapest way that we could do it. 
The standby flights save the team a lot of money, but they also cause some problems. Because when you fly standby... Your baggage is not a priority. So when we would fly with our skis, if anything happened to our skis or any of our bags or our equipment, it was gone. Jerome remembers this one competition in Slovenia when she and her teammates were left in a tough spot. Between the American girls, we were all missing something. So I was missing a bag with my skis and my suit. A teammate of mine was missing a bag with her boots and her helmet. And we got together with the girls from the other countries and they all loaned us stuff and we ended up being able to compete. In almost any other sport, this would be crazy. Think about it. The American team was going to their rivals and asking for help before a major competition. But Jerome says this was the norm in women's ski jumping. They had a larger purpose. They all wanted the sport to succeed. We had this mindset within women's ski jumping. Despite being competitive with these other countries, we were all friends and we were all always trying to help each other out because we all had one common goal, which was growing the sport and being recognized to be in the Olympics. And we knew that if, for example, the Norwegian girls couldn't compete that weekend, it looked bad across the whole sport. It wasn't about personal results. Part of trying to get this sport into the Olympics is there needs to be more competitors and there needs to be growth. So even still today, I see this camaraderie among women ski jumpers that I have never seen in any other sport. It might seem obvious why athletes would want their events in the Olympics, right? The medals, the glory, the chance to represent their country. But it can mean much more than that. Going to the Olympics gives athletes all these other opportunities for sponsorship. So getting women ski jumping into the games would mean that Jerome could concentrate on training instead of fundraising. Jerome and her teammates hoped their sacrifices would pay off for the 2010 games. But when the International Olympic Committee announced the new events for that year, women's ski jumping was not among them. We weren't asking for something that was ridiculous and would have cost millions of dollars. The venues were there. The ski jumps were built. The events for men, they were happening. And we just wanted one day where we could have our event as well. The women decided to take their case to court. The Winter Games were in Vancouver that year, so their case ended up before a panel of judges in British Columbia. We were in Vancouver within 10 days of the beginning of our winter competition season. So while everybody was at home training and getting ready to compete, we were sitting in court. And at the time, I was really annoyed about it because I wanted the luxury of just being an athlete and focusing on being the best at ski jumping that I could be. I didn't want to have to deal with all this other stuff. And I was very envious of people in other sports who could just do that. They could just focus on what they needed to do and, and they didn't have to be involved in the politics of everything. The Canadian court actually ruled in the women's favor, sort of. The judge agreed that having the ski jumping competition for men and not women was discriminatory. 
But the judge also decided that Canada didn't have jurisdiction over the International Olympics Committee. The court couldn't tell the IOC what to do. Jerome and her teammates had to wait and see if the IOC would change its mind for the next Winter Olympics. So on April 6, 2011, they gathered together to listen in on another conference call to see if they'd get their shot in Sochi. Sarah Hendrickson was there. At just 16 years old, she was a rising star in women's ski jumping, and she knew her older teammates had been through a lot to get her sport to that point. You know, we could feel the tension in the air just because they had been told no so many times. So you could almost feel that they were just expecting that. Like, they were never really getting their hopes up anymore because they'd been shut down so many times. When they started to announce the new sports that would be added into Sochi and heard women's ski jumping, I mean, it was just, I think it was relief more than anything just to finally see that green light. Jerome was actually away from her teammates that day. I was in Thailand in an internet cafe, and I didn't deliberately plan this vacation over this time, but it worked out that way, and I wasn't upset about it. And I went to this internet cafe, and I called in, and I listened, and they said the following sports will be added to the 2014 program, and they said women's ski jumping, and... I smiled and I hung up and then I went about my day because it wasn't like this huge moment for me where I thought, okay, it's finally done. It was like, all right, it, it's about time. Jerome and her teammates had done it. Women's ski jumping would be part of the winter games, but then Jerome still had to make the team. We had Olympic trials in Park City at the end of December. And it was a made-for-TV event that the Americans did. And we had a competition for men and women. And it was winner gets an automatic spot in the Olympics. And I won. It didn't really sink in. And I think a couple days later, you know, I was probably driving or I was in the shower doing some mundane task. And I went, oh my God, I'm going to the Olympics. Jerome came in 10th in Sochi, but she did leave a much bigger legacy for her younger teammates like Sarah Hendrickson. I'm just so overly thankful for those older girls. Hendrickson competed with Jerome in Sochi, and she's representing Team USA once again here in Pyeongchang. I was really fortunate with my age and my timing and everything coming together perfectly that I almost... I don't want to say guilty, but I guess there's a little bit of guilt that it's like I took something away from them that they put so much work into. So I'm religious in saying that I'm so thankful for those girls because they are the ones that, you know, paved the way for me. And um, that's why I take pride in pushing the sport even further so that girls behind me can practice more on the hill rather than focusing on the politics side of things. But Hendrickson says there are still some battles to fight. Now it's kind of hitting me harder how frustrating it is. Like our prize money is 33% of men right now, and they actually have more competitions than us. And that differential is pretty substantial. And, you know, we train just as hard as them. And, you know, it's not our fault that we were born female. Hendrickson will have plenty of help in the fight. 
Jessica Jerome says that when she started competing back in 2002, there were just a few dozen young women from across the world competing in ski jumping. Today... In the U.S. alone, right now, there are about 25 girls who are eligible to compete in international events. At a club level, there's something like 220 now, and that's that's from Park City to Steamboat to Lake Placid and all throughout the Midwest and even Alaska. And I remember growing up, and my idols in the sport were all men. And recently, there's this new wave of young women coming up into the sport and they say things like, when I was a kid, I idolized Daniela Arashko or I idolized Annette Sagan. I just think it's so cool that these young women who are starting ski jumping have the option. They have girls and guys to look up to. That's really cool to me. You'll hear more from Katie Couric throughout the 2018 Winter Olympics on the networks of NBC. And you can find her every week on the Katie Couric Podcast. That'll do it for our show today. Tonight in primetime on NBC, we've got the final phases of the figure skating team event, women's giant slalom, women's moguls, women's slope style, and men's luge. Jonathan Hirsch produces our show. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. Our executive producer is Nishat Kirwa. Special thanks today to Gianna Palmer, to Rebecca Chapman, John Howe, Eileen Sokol, and Tess Quinlan. Find more episodes of The Podium on Apple Podcasts. You can watch the Winter Olympics on the networks of NBC, and you can stream every event live on NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports app. I'm Lauren Shahadi. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.